and detrimental to a fast-growing beast. It located what it sought by employing its eyes, its ears, its sense of smell. It stepped across the floor and paused briefly before the challenge that faced it, that of hauling its long, unathletic body onto a surface that was high, too high for the animal to inspect from where it stood. But it trusted the instincts which promised that what it wanted was indeed up there, reached with effort, but effort rewarded. The young pig reared clumsily, placing its trotters on the surface. It scrabbled with its back legs, sometimes finding percha, sometimes flailing the air. It snorted, its eyes rolled, it fell, it tried again. It whimpered, afraid it would fail, and its stomach writhed. Its stomach was alive with worms, for the piglet often indulged in meals that were uncooked and unhealthy, and these worms were hungry too. The animal clambered up eventually and shook itself vigorously, as if to cast off the memory of such demanding determination. This done, it set about eating. When Sarah Pierce, she of the towering legs and booted feet, returned to the hut some minutes later, she found that the piglet had consumed the face and the left hand of the infant she had left sleeping on the pallet, and was in the absorbing process of devouring the right arm. Indigo Kesby sat back on his haunches, much pleased with this story. His brother looked at him in silence from where he too sat cross-legged on the floor. The brothers wore silk boxer shorts and nothing else. Indigos were burgundy, Ravel's olive green. The room was lit by candles, as the electricity had been cut long ago. It was well past midnight, and the brothers were glimmering in the candlelight, because the night, like the day, was hot. Between them lay a plate on which Ravel had poured out spicy biscuits, one of which he now placed flat upon his tongue, feeling the spicing tingle. "'Shame on the indecent miscreant!' Indigo intoned, once more reading from the book. If detection alight upon his contemptuous crime, he shall be shunned and pointed at. What's that? Shunned and pointed at, Indigo repeated. This was punishment in 1806 Sydney for letting a swine roam the cemetery. Shunned and pointed at. Ravel spoke around the softening biscuit. What happened to it? Does it say what happened to it? It got eaten. Eaten with a baby inside. No, the baby got eaten. The baby got eaten, yes. Pig got forty-four teeth, Indigo chortled and rocked on his ankles. Ravel pressed the sodden biscuit to the roof of his mouth. What happened to the pig is what I mean. Indigo frowned at the book in his lap. The heat had made his hair stringy and curls of it stuck to his throat. He reached out a hand blindly as he read, knocking biscuits over the rim of the plate, until his fingers fastened around one and delivered it unseen to his mouth. Maybe it got eaten too, Ravel suggested, as the moments went by. You don't eat a pig that's got your baby inside it, his brother answered tersely. Indigo's moods came and went. He did not like being interrupted. Ravel watched the black eyes scan the page, squinting against the darkness, as if a narrower view would somehow help. The voracious animal was shot immediately that the accident was discovered and was afterwards burnt by order of the coroner. 
Voracious, Ravel mused. He licked his teeth clean of biscuit remains. His brother closed the book and folded it to his chest. He propped his chin on the corner of the spine. Ravel looked at him. It was a good story. It was a great story. I'm surprised you didn't find it first. Many points to me. Ten. Twenty, I think. Ravel didn't argue. They never added up the score. It's your turn now. Ravel extended his hand, but Indigo did not pass the book across the floor. He continued to sit, rocking slightly, his arms protecting the book and its tails. Ravel, after a moment, let his hand fall resignedly to the carpet, which, like their shorts, was silk. They were surrounded by and accustomed to grandeur. Ravel flexed one finger and then another, feeling the bones and muscles work. It's hot, he sighed. You won't sleep. No, it's hot. Another story, then. Still, Indigo did not relinquish the book. Ravel continued to flex his fingers. Sweat travelled ponderously down their faces, more quickly down their chests and backs, droplets glorified by grace of golden candlelight, until they soaked without ceremony into the elastic waists of boxer shorts. The air seemed thin. In a corner sat two watching rats, ash-coloured and as still as stone. Ravel wanted another biscuit, did not want another biscuit. He wrapped his knuckles on the carpet. Still, Indigo kept the book. Dastard must be the man that would thus pollute the mansions of the dead for such trifling gain. Give me the book. No. I won't sleep. Dastard be the man. Indigo. The mansions of the dead. Indigo looked into his brother's weary face. Look at you, he said. My handsome twin. The book, Indy. Indigo relented and slid the book across the floor. Multiple births are relatively uncommon amongst the larger mammals, and the tendency to produce more than one baby from a single pregnancy seems to be, in these uncommon animals, hereditary. The arrival of twins is the end result of around one in every ninety human pregnancies, and identical twins account for about twenty-five percent of all twin births. Identical twinship comes about when a single fertilized ovum splits into two, and two babies thus begin to grow. It is not only the womb that identical twins share. They will be the same sex, they will have similar blood types and fingerprints, and they will look almost indistinguishably alike. The twins will be strikingly similar in every physical aspect for the length of their lives, except during these nine important formative months, when it is not unusual for one twin to grow larger, heavier, and stronger than the other. This bully twin sucks the choicest nutrients from the solitary placenta, leaving just leftovers for its weaker sibling. Side by side they lie in the womb, the boss twin, the little twin waiting to be born. When they are, they face a higher mortality rate than do babies of single births. 
The parents of our twins, Indigo and Ravel, were Kasbah and Annie Kesby. Were? Are. A parent does not become a parent in the past tense, but for all time. Parentage is not nullified by history. From Kasbah, the twins get their fine, unfreckled skin, the colour of dust storms. From him comes their jet hair with its lazy curls and their deeply coloured eyes. Kasbah is a native of the hot countries, and that heated night he bestowed upon his progeny the swan-like grace of his race. From their mother, Annie, what did they receive? Annie is English and wan as English weather, so she, too, contributed to the shading of her children. From her the twins get their tendency to cling, which is not surprising. There was little room inside Annie, who was delicately framed, and the twins were forced into the clutches of each other. Annie clung to Kasbah that heated night, also before that heated night, and forever afterwards as well. Cells multiply, divide, multiply, and eventually grow arms to cling. The Kesbys had not known they were expecting twins, but the twins knew. The twins knew they were twins before anyone on earth knew it too. These months of shared knowledge meant a great deal to them. They could presume to understand more about one another than anyone else did, because they'd had that private time. They fancied they'd whispered the secrets of heaven to each other during those months. The womb had been an idyll, a tropical island they'd been washed up on, abundant with food and warmth, but secluded, deserted but for them. And they resented the loss of it when the world was hard.